I believe in wife? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, who doesn't? I believe in wife. So, do you think you live your life any differently because you believe in wife? I mean, I mean, yeah. I I I put the toilet seat down. If that counts. Do you ever talk to wife? No, man. Uh, I'm not. I you know. I don't really talk to wife. I'm not. I'm not one of those wife nuts. Oh yes, I believe in mom. What do you think mom is like? I think she's big and powerful, and she wants me to be happy. What makes you happy? Being comfortable and doing my own thing, and not being bothered by my sister. <laughs> Anything else? Um, getting lots of toys. Does mom ever ask you to do anything? If she did, that wouldn't make me very happy. <laughs> Sounds like mom wall. is pretty easygoing. Oh yes, she's very nice. I think she's smiling on me right now. Yeah, I believe in boss. I mean, my views probably aren't orthodox, but sure. Yeah, I believe in boss. Can you describe some of your views of boss? Well, I think boss is really whatever we make him or her out to be. I mean, each person decides what kind of boss they want to believe in, and I don't think anybody should try to impose their views or act like their boss is the true boss. I mean, that's just intolerant. So you don't think it matters whether you're right about boss or not? Well, I don't really use words like right or wrong. I mean, I think it's all relative. You may see one thing about boss, and I see another thing about him or her. Maybe you think that boss says things like "get back to work" and "be on time," and that's fine. Whatever, I'm okay with that. But don't act like I have to believe in that kind of boss. While that's supposed to be very comical and it cracks me up, one of the crazy, crazy things that I have happen all the time that have asked me is, you know, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I don't know if I believe in God. And how do I know? And, you know, maybe it's a him or maybe it's a her. And as I was watching this video, I was preparing. It's like it cracked me up because when you put it in any other context other than God— Yes, I believe in wife. And she's sitting in the background. She's kind of hovering on. And the, the kid writing on the wall. You, I mean, how many of your parents were cringing when you saw the, the kid writing on the wall? Like, ugh. And then, and then, of course, the boss. You know, the, your boss is there. And he's standing in the background now just looking at you like, are you going to get to work as she's sitting there playing solitaire? But yet when we think about God, we think about something completely different. Last week, of course, was Easter, and it's the day that most people will attend. I told people when I was inviting them, I said, you know, even the devil goes to church on Easter, so that's a great opportunity for you to come, and, and everyone laughs, and it's a joke, and, and it is the time, but um, I put up on Facebook this, um, this morning, or last night actually, um, a, a picture that Pastor Chris posted, and we'll put it up there for you to see. It's a church sign that I thought was pretty funny, and it says, 
Pretend it's Easter and come back this Sunday. Jesus is still alive. And Pastor Chris wrote at the bottom, he goes, so funny and so true. And I just love that. And, and while this is the lowest attended Sunday of the year, the week after Easter, it's still true. The message is still true. So when we had this big bump for everybody to come, and then everybody's like, oh, I'm going to sleep in this week. I know many of you are watching this after the fact, and some of you are watching it live. And I know many of our, our friends and family are, are at different things going on during the time of today particularly and we'll be able to watch it later and some are watching it at work while they're waiting on customers to come in so wherever you find yourself and whenever you find it i want us to keep on the path last week we spoke about life and and if you didn't hear last week's message you can go find it on belongdfw.tv or you can get it on our podcast you can get it from our app um, we got everything in the world we're trying to do technology to have it out there so everything's available. And one of the points that I made last week is that even to the disciples, the people who are with Jesus the whole entire time, it was said literally that this seemed like nonsense to them. It seemed like mind blowing. How could it be that he's risen from the dead? We looked at that it's a living hope, that this isn't just something for us to check a religious box off. But it's because that there's life in the resurrection of Jesus. Now I can face today. I can embrace tomorrow, and I can even be free from my yesterday. Last week, I asked the ultimate question, and I said, what is this all about? What is this whole Christianity? What is this being um, religious, if you want to call it that? I hate that. But um, if that's your terminology, if that's the way you can put it in the framework of your mind, How does this all fit together? How does this piece together? What is church? What is God all about? And I went on to say that I want to suggest to you that God is not merely looking for robots, just cookie cutter people. They're just going to go through the motions. He doesn't even just want obedience, though he does. He doesn't just want obedience. He wants your heart. And I said these words, and this is what we're going to pick up this morning. He wants you to know him to know God, to know God. So this morning, we're continuing on in that, and the title of my message today is, And Then? So so we had the resurrection, we had Easter last week, and then, now what's our next step? What what is the, the next thing we're going to do? And can I tell you that there will always be a next step? No matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're at in your occupation, where you're in your relationships, there's always a next step. And for my wife and myself, you know, we got married 25, almost 26 years ago now, and we started our family, and we we just, you just go through the blur of having the kids, and then they're toddlers, and then they're a little bit older, and then they're teenagers, and and now Alec moved out many years ago, and Andrew moved out and went to college, and then got married in January, and Joy moved out last year, and Jen's graduated graduating in a few weeks, and and we find ourselves in a blur again, and there's always that next step now that all the kids are going to be out of high school and onto their next things. They're they're going to their next steps, but we know that we also have our next steps. And so we're walking through the steps, literally, of reconnecting and like say, hey, who are you again? You know, you're you're the person that I remember like 25 years ago that we can, you know, reconnect with. There's always a next step no matter where you're at in practical living and also in Christianity and your walk with God. If you'll turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, we're going to look at it from the Message Bible. 
I want you to see, this is kind of the, the, the theme text for this morning. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I want to point out a few things to you. If you can't see what God is doing, you're in a fog. And, and some people that I talk to, and maybe you would find yourself there as well, would say, you know, sometimes my mind is in a fog, and, and I, don't really, I can't really see clearly what's going on, and I don't really know, and, and there's all this difficulty that comes in. And if you can't see clearly what God is doing, you end up stumbling. And I, I'm telling you, all the people that I come into contact with every week and the, the wide variety of conversations that I find myself in, the number one thing that I would walk away from those conversations is I would say they're stumbling. There's just things that are stuck out in their path. How many of you have had opportunities around kids, maybe your kids or maybe somebody else's kids or maybe your brothers or sisters, that they leave toys out there and you're trying to walk through, maybe it's the middle of the night and you stub your toe on it and you're just stumbling and you're like, oh, I didn't see that. And it caused you to not keep going where you were. Maybe you ultimately make it there, but it just is this obstacle. And that's what we find in our lives. There's just all these obstacles and things that, man, if I didn't have these things in my life, my life would be so much better. It goes on, but when they attend to what he reveals, he being God, when we attend to what he is revealing to us, and and that's one of the main tenets of our church and what we really believe is it's not our job to tell you what you're supposed to be doing. It's our job to point you to a living and a loving God who wants to reveal himself to you. And when you get the revelation from God, when you get that understanding from him, and then you start chasing after that, look at the bottom part of that. You're most blessed. So people now are using the hashtag living my blessed life or hashtag blessed and all these things. And and, and I wonder if it's just a hashtag for them or is it actually what they're living? But I love the fact that we're talking about it because maybe in talking about it, it will promote us actually getting there. The four tenets of our church, and I want to just start off again the the Sunday right after Easter, and it's in your worship guide. It's all right there. The four tenets are, and I'm going to say it backwards even, that, that what we're ultimately going for is ultimate fulfillment in our lives, not just when it comes to church, not just when it comes to religion, but ultimately in our life completely is when we make a difference. Secular psychologists will tell you that the most fulfilled people are those who are about helping others. So the people who will go and donate their time and go and help build a house for um, the humanity opportunities and all the different things, the people that will go out of their way when there's a hurricane or there's a tornado and they, they take off their time from work and they go and they just get out there and do all the, When you're doing something, you're making a difference. That's when you're the most fulfilled. And it's no different in every area of our life. But you can't make a difference until you know your role in making a difference. And that's our third um, tenet of our church. And that is you're discovering your purpose, discovering your role in making a difference. But you can't find that unless you talk to him. 
You're never going to find out what your purpose is on life and in this life and your purpose in making a difference until you have this connection and you're able to talk to God and go to him for your direction and where you're going from. And number two is, is finding freedom. And people say, you know, trust me, you don't want me to be involved with your church because all the things I've done, and, and you don't want me to because my life's a mess. And I, I hear this literally once a week, if not multiple times a day. If I came to your church, the walls are going to fall down. There's going to be lightning strikes. There's going to be the water's going to boil. And, and people have all these things. They're like, oh, no, no, you don't want me involved in your church. But can I just tell you that all of our lives are a mess? And what you're going through today, my wife says this all the time, and she's famous to me for quoting this, even if she's not famous to everybody for quoting it. She should be up on a billboard somewhere with this. But she says this. She goes, what I'm going through today, you may have went through yesterday or may go through tomorrow. But we are all together. She's specifically talking about women, but it, it applies to all of us. That what we're all going through, we're all going through the same things. But the, the problem and the dangers come in when we think we're all alone and we get isolated over here by ourselves. For when you think, man, my life's a mess, but everybody else looks great. How many of you know that you can't really understand what people's lives are by what their Instagram feed looks like? It's not all this great things, and, and it's so hilarious to me, some of the videos, and I should have pulled it up and played it again, where the people get up, and, and they may, do all their makeup and everything just to post that one picture. They'll go and hike this hill just to go up and make this one picture, and, and then they go back down. It's the, you get this image that they just went surfing, and they just did all these great things, and all they did was get ready for a photo. That's not living your best life. It's what you're presenting out there. And when you look at yourself and go, man, I look at everybody around me, man, my friends and my family even, man, they're all in better shape than me. But I, and when I'm all by myself and I realize where I was last night, my life's a mess. But too many of us are stuck in that mess, whether it's your hangups or your faults. And we all have them. Your bad habits, your bad decisions, your addictions. Can I challenge you? I said this even in worship. It's time. It's time. Today, I'm calling this out that it's time. This is the year that you can no longer be defined by that addiction. It's time. Today can be your day. But this is the kind of thing that only God can do. This isn't the kind of thing that you can do all by yourself and self-helps and keep reading these books and, and go to all these different things. But what I'm telling you is the life and the freedom that there is in God is available there for you. And you even know deep down inside, even if it's suppressed really deep down inside, that you would be better off living without that thing, that's that stumbling block that I talked about. That thing that keeps tripping you up and you're like, man, I'll never be free from that. I'm here to tell you this morning, you can be. We sang the song, freedom is here. Healing is here. It doesn't matter what your past has been. It doesn't matter what the path has been that got you here. There is healing. There is freedom. It is here. It is available. But we're not talking about a church it's not physically in the church. It's not being in this building. It's not even about someone grabbing your hand and praying. It's about the presence of God being with you. 
Truthfully, church is just about being with us and taking that spiritual journey together. And we would love for you to take that spiritual journey with us, and I know many of you are, but that's really our goal is just say, hey, we're in this together. This Sunday after Easter, and the people that made their decisions last week, and the people that said where they're at in the ABCs and the Ds that we did the survey, we're all in this together, and we want to take that journey. But it all begins with the first step in that journey, which brings us back to knowing God. But can I suggest to you again that there are different levels of knowing God, the same way there's different levels of me knowing my wife. When, when I first met my wife, there was that first time, hey, it's nice to, what do we say, know you. I, I just met you, and I'm saying it's nice to know you. It's the same thing when you're introduced to God. You say, hey, God, it's really nice to know you. And that's the first step, but that's not all the steps. I don't know my wife after 25 years of being married, almost 26 years, the same way I knew her when I shook her hand for the first time and said, hi, it's nice to know you. How many of you know I've got to know more things about my wife? I got to know the things that I do that aggravate her. And I got to know the, the couple of things that she does that aggravates me. Not very many, honey, really. Honestly, it's not that many. But I got to know her. And there's not anyone more revealed and more vulnerable than a married couple because after a period of time, all of the niceties kind of fall away and you really get to know that person. And, and I, I could go into some examples of even bathroom etiquette and things, but I won't. But your mind just went there, so you're with me in what my connotations are. You get to know them. Well, it's the same way with God. There are multiple layers of getting to know God. In fact, Jesus goes on in much of the Bible, and he's talking about it, and he's describing a relationship with God the Father, God in heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and it's all about a relationship. It's about getting to know him. The great thing is he already knows us. But there are different levels of us getting to know God. When you read in the Bible, or maybe you're following along with us reading in the one-year Bible, and if you haven't done that, it's a great time. It doesn't matter that we're at the end of April. Can you believe we're at the end of April? May is this week, and before you know it, it's going to be 4th of July, and, and then before you know that, you're going to see the countdowns for Christmas, and it's like, ah, but you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. That's a great thing about the one-year Bible. You can pick it up. It's in our app. It's one of the things you click on it, and it's got the Word of God for today. And you just read through what's there. There's a psalm and a proverb and an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. It takes about 15 minutes. And if you don't have that time, just read one of them or whatever you can do. But take those first steps. And as you're reading about those things, even in, when you're listening to the uh, reading in the New Testament part of it, you're going to see Jesus talking about relationships. And I'm here to tell you it's about knowing God. And he came to show us where we were off track, he came to show us how God desired to interact with us. And the message of Jesus is about a relationship. But the message of the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, is also about knowing God, and we'll see in just a minute. They use the same word. 
Now, I don't usually try and impress you with any Greek knowledge because I don't have much. And, and Pastor Chris, I heard him talk about this, and he goes, man, I studied Greek for three semesters, and it's still all Greek to me. And he thought that was funny, and I did too. But it's all Greek to me, and it's, it's not something I'm trying to impress you with. But I want to show you this word in the Greek that is gnosko. And I'm not going to try and go over that over and over again, but I want you to see it. And, and that's where it's found in the Strong's. I want to prove to you that I'm not just making something up. And what it means literally is to know intimately. And, and it, if you study that out, you'll, realize, you'll come to find out, I should say, gnosko is actually a Jewish idiom that's used to be polite when describing the intimate relationships a husband and wife would have when they conceive and bear a child. And you guys all just went to where I'm going with that, and I'm not going to have to go any further. It's a polite way to talk about that act and that relationship and that depth of inner and intimacy and and have you know they got really close when that happens i mean there's some closeness going on there and that's the word that jesus used in in the old testament it was a similar thing in the old testament in genesis god says and adam knew eve and that word is yada and it's the same thing but it's and she conceived adam knew eve and she conceived so it's this closeness that's that's represented by physical intimacy that would cause you to have um, children. And I'm going to try and dance around this as well myself. But even in Numbers chapter 12, verse 6, you can go and study this on your own. God speaks about making himself known in a dream. It's that same word to to come so close to you like when Adam knew Eve. 1 Samuel 2, 12, it says, Eli's sons were worthless, and they didn't know God. They didn't yada God. They didn't have this intimate relationship. And so when Jesus comes on the earth, and he's trying to describe to everybody, he goes, hey, this is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you, and for you to have with God, this two-way interaction. And he uses this word, gnosko. And they're all like, oh, he said that word. I mean, it, it, we have other words that we would say for that, and I'm not going to say those words in church. And, and you know, those, those things that would make you go, oh, I can't believe he just said that word. I can't believe he used that. But everybody knew what he's talking about, and they're shocked. They're sentiments because to them, God was holy, and he's just like off over here. He's far, far away, and, and, and he's so distant, but he's big, and I'm small, and he's up there, and I'm down here, kind of like, you know, he's over there, and he doesn't really know what I'm doing over here, and he doesn't really want to be involved with me, and I'm scared of him. But Jesus, being the revolutionary that he was, revealed that going to heaven was a condition of having this intimate relationship with God. Everything when you read of Jesus in the New Testament, and maybe if you're new to Christianity or you're new to this, the truth of being a Christian in church and all of that, and, and we talked about last week that if you say that, you know, hey, I don't want to play basketball because I, I, I hate falling on the ice, you're like, there's no ice in basketball. No, no, no. I hate it when I'm running down the, the field and they tackle me and take me down. They're like, there's no tackling in basketball. No, no, no. I hate it when, and when they swing in the bat. And, and, and no, 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 no. So you have this concept of what you think church is or what God is, like someone would say in that thing. Maybe you're new to all of this. I want to tell you, it's all about 
that closeness, again, to quote that Greek word that Jesus used, that gnosko, that, that being so close that it's, it's the word used for a husband and wife getting so close that they end up starting a family. Jesus goes on to talk about that, hey, one day you're going to stand before God. And this is part of that condition of going there. And that could be really bad news to some people because you're like, I have my plan of how I'm going to get to heaven and what it's going to be like when I get there. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus is talking. He goes, not everyone, and I highlighted that, not everyone. So there's going to be some people who miss it, who call out to me and say, Lord, Lord, I, I, I enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, they're not going to all enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Verse 22, on judgment day, because there will be a judgment day that we all stand and give account for our lives. In. And it's going to start with, why should I let you into my heaven? Many will say, Jesus is saying to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your name. And we could add so many other churchy things. Hey, we fed the poor. Hey, we went on a foreign country. We did all these things. We, we read the Bible. And we did all of these things. He goes, man, it's not about any of those acts. It's not about all these things that you're thinking. And look at the verse 23. And I will reply... And there's that word again. I never knew you. I never gnosko. I never had this deep, personal, intimate relationship with you. So if you're running around trying to do all of these things and thinking all these things are going to add up and the sum of them is going to be better, it's just a little bit more than the, the sum of the things that are bad, then you think, hey, I'm just going to squeak in. No, it's not about that. Jesus is even saying, you're entering heaven it's dependent upon this relationship that I came here on earth to describe to you. Can I say it another way to you? God isn't looking for any religious expressions. He's looking for a relationship. Part of my job as a pastor, the way I see it, is, is kind of like a teach that much, is much like that of a teacher. It's to prepare you for your final exam. The big test when you are actually at that judgment day. And you may say, hey, I don't believe in that. That doesn't change the fact that you will have that day. You say, well, I'm not sure about all that stuff. None of that changes. The word of God says that we will all stand before the throne of God. And, and if, if I can take you back to the bumper video, uh, I don't know about that wife thing. Yeah, I believe in wife, and yeah, I believe in mom, and yeah, I believe in boss, but you know, you know, who, and all this stuff. It doesn't matter what we think. There will be, it's described in the Bible, the great white throne judgment. And, and not really sure how it's going to work, but we're going to stand up there, and it's not going to be anybody answering for me, and I'm not answering for you. I'm only answering for myself. When God asks, why should I let you into my heaven? Jesus just described that whole scenario. The people on that day, he's already prophesying that one day that people are going to have all these ideas of what should qualify them for coming in. And Jesus says, but I never knew you. 
The answer isn't in what you do. The answer is in the relationship you have. It isn't the good that you've done. It isn't your charity. It isn't how much you gave. It isn't your good deeds. It's not even that you went to church. Many people have the 51% rule that the good outweighs the bad, even slightly. (laughs) You hope that it works out all right. And Jesus is like, it's not about none of that. It's about a relationship. The answer to the question, why should I let you into my heaven? Because I know you. Because I know I have a relationship with you. And the answer is, I wasn't perfect, but I was in love. Man, as as I was thinking about that, isn't that even amazing in marriage? Man, Lenore, I've made a bunch of mistakes, and I haven't been perfect, but baby, I'm in love with you. And, And Jesus says in another place that love covers a multitude of sins. And man, I can miss it on so many levels, but that love covers all of that. That answer, think about that. Just let that reside and just just like sit there and soak in a little bit. I wasn't perfect. Man, I love you, Jesus. God, I'm, I'm so happy that I have a relationship, that I know you and you know me. Have you ever seen in a movie when it's a romantic movie and, and all the girls are probably thinking, oh, yeah, and the guy's are like, oh, I hate those. But the guy falls in love with the girl, and, and maybe it's over-dramatized, and, and you see in slow motion, and they start going towards each other, and their face start lighting up, and the girl's running towards him, and her hair's flowing in the wind as she's running. And it's so over-dramatized. Can I tell you that it begins with the first step? Even in that great romantic sequence, someone made the first step. The great thing about God loving you and so loving me, so loving the world that he sent his son, it says in John 3, 16, is he didn't wait for us to take that first step. He's not like, okay, I'm up here in heaven. Let's see if you're going to make any steps towards me, big boy, before I take anything. No. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we're still in our sin, God, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to take the first step towards you. In fact, in 1 John 4, 19, you can look it up on your own. It says, because we love is because he first loved us. We can love only because he first loved us. Philippians 3, 10 says, I want to know, and there's that word again. The Apostle Paul is using the same word that Jesus said, gnosko. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. But what mighty power? The week after Easter. The one that raised him from the dead. This power that is the Holy Spirit that came down and raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is available to us. He goes, man, I want to have that deep, intimate, gnosko relationship with Christ and experience that same power. That's my goal. That needs to be all of our goals. See, you can't find freedom and you can't discover purpose 
You can't make a difference. You can't go through all the things that we believe characterize our lives and give us the ultimate fulfillment until you take that first step, until you first know God. If you will, bow your heads with me this morning. Where do you find yourself today? I ask that almost every week. Are you right with God or would you say, I'm pretty far from God? Or are you like those in Jesus' time when he's trying to describe this intimate relationship with God and you say, man, I think God's distant. I think he's far off. He's big and I'm small and he's way up there and I'm over here. He doesn't know anything about me. This morning, I want to invite you to know God. Perhaps your next step is actually your first step. Inviting him in. Not about joining a church, not about joining our church, but a real relationship with the one who took the first step towards you. So with your eyes closed and your head bowed, this isn't about a a public declaration. That comes later in baptism. We talked about that a little bit last week as well. This, I believe, is private. This is between you and God. In fact, the prayer I'm going to invite you to say with me, I'm just going to help you with the words. But it's really about you just communicating to God. You don't even say the words out loud. Just right there where you're at. Take that first step towards him. And he's so waiting to take that next step back with you. If that's you this morning, I want you to simply pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I thought I had it all figured out. But my life's a mess. And I need you. I ask you to come live inside of me. To save me and change me. Show me what and how to do it. Today I'm changing my mind. I'm not going to live by what I see. But I choose to trust what your word says. Say this. I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer, whether they're watching us online or they're listening to the podcast later. Maybe someone's watching our YouTube videos months from now. Lord, when they prayed that prayer, I know that all of heaven rejoiced. Lord, it makes my my face smile and my heart happy to think about people beginning a journey with you. Getting to know you. The gnosko, that intimacy that is there. The word that Jesus used, the word that the Apostle Paul used, that is so deeply personal. It shocked everyone. Lord, may we take the next step and the next step after that in continuing following after you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if that was you this morning, I want to ask you to take another Next, if you will, and that is pull your phone back out and that telephone number that we gave you earlier, the 469-289-1114. Text the word next, and that will simply let us know that you took the step with us. 
or if you have your connection card and you're using paper instead of technology, there's a place here in the middle for you to kind of share what God decisions you're made with God today and where you're at, whether it's you're surrendering your life to Christ today or you're coming back and renewing or maybe you said, hey man, I want to know more about that being baptized stuff you're talking about or if you simply just want to talk to someone, that is an option. Of course, at the bottom, there's a place for you to put your prayer requests. And for those watching online, the connection card is available online at all of our different places. I'm not going to re-go through those. And for those who are wanting to know uh, that you're asking, um, that we just got to let everybody know all the different ways of communicating with us. If you want to give to the church and you like the, the vision of what we're doing and the outreaches that we're doing, you can go to givetobelong.com give to belong.com as the links are everywhere on our websites or all the different places and that's just there if you want to avail yourself of that so if you will stand to your feet with us this morning we're going to pray and be dismissed father god i thank you for all the next steps that were taken this morning and the ones that will be continued to take this week on everyone who's watching and listening God, I just thank you for what you're doing, that, Lord, this is your plan, and you want to have this great relationship, this personal relationship with us. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone who who took those steps to text the welcome and the next. And Lord, whether they're just taking those first steps, Lord, and then the connection cards and the prayer requests, Lord, and for everyone who paid their tithes this week and, and gave money to the church, Lord, I speak a blessing over to them. And, Lord, I thank you that you're involved in every part of our life. And we so love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.